I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. The following is a presentation of KSL Sports. Hello, Cougar Nation. Hand off middle. First down. Touchdown! And listen to the Cougar Nation. Every Monday night, we break down the Cougars' last game and look ahead to next week. Cougar Nation, brought to you by Blue Barn Wealth. Here's BYU insider Mitch Harper and Matt Biamonte on Utah's legacy home of the Cougars, KSL News Radio. Good afternoon, Cougar fans. Welcome into a post Labor Day matinee edition of Cougar Nation. Your weekly recap of BYU football. I'm your BYU insider, Mitch Harper, for KSLSports.com. Typically, my co-host, Matt Biamonte, as you heard in the intro, is with me, but he's on vacation in Orlando. He'll be back in the saddle next Monday when we go back to our usual 6 to 7 p.m. time slot. We have so much to unpack from BYU's 14-0 win against Sam Houston to kick off the Cougars' Big 12 era. I'll give you my takeaways from the game, plus dishing out some helmet stickers and a new segment of Trending Up and Trending Down. Then I'll get to your calls, 801-575-8255. So hit up those phone lines throughout the show to sound off on the game. So if you're having lunch, lunch break and you need to get that BYU football take off your chest, I'm here for you, 801-575-8255. And if your call makes it on air, you'll be qualified to enter our giveaway for tickets to the BYU-Cincinnati game later this month. But right now, let's dive into the takeaways. Yeah, it's frustrating. I mean, you got to stay positive. You got to appreciate a win. A win's a win. Won by 14 points. Didn't have to turn any turnovers. But as offense, we have higher expectations than uh, you know, what happened tonight. And uh, you know, it's just kind of how it goes. And the line can remind us, hey, you gotta have a positive attitude after a win like that, and we know we know we're better than that, and we'll come out better uh, in the future. That's BYU quarterback Keaton Slovis after BYU's fourteen to zero win over Sam Houston. That's where we start things off in takeaway number one. BYU's offense leaves everyone concerned. They finished the night with two hundred fifty seven total yards of offense, one forty five through the air with Slovis, one twelve on the ground. But I mean, think about this, Cougar fans. I, I was counting down this this season for 100 days here on News Radio, and then that's the output. 14 points from BYU. It wasn't pretty. The opening drive was fantastic. They come out of the gates. Keaton Slovis gets that touchdown run, the first of his BYU career. But after that, it was a standstill, and to the point where you're thinking, when is this offense going to get moving? I'll be honest. I thought the play calling from Aaron Roderick. I think it's a little bit more to blame from this game than maybe the personnel. I know there were questions about Keaton Slovis coming into the season. I think some of that questioning was a little bit uh, brought up once again with that performance that he had because he wasn't taking many shots downfield. But I feel like that was part of some of the play calling from Aaron Roderick. I thought it was a too conservative of play calling from Roderick that BYU had no firepower. And I think also, too, the the offensive line struggled mightily for BYU. And it left, I thought, this this entire game, BYU 
seemed out of rhythm. They didn't have any firepower at all. And it was a team that just didn't have that explosive ability that I think we've all grown accustomed to from BYU football over the last three years. That's been the identity, being an explosive offense that can kind of blow the lid off a defense. Sam Houston, good defense, and they're going to be one of the better teams in Conference USA, but I don't want to hear this, oh, they were saving the playbook for Arkansas. That sounds a lot like 2017 Portland State. No one wants to hear any of that. To me, if you truly respected Sam Houston, you roll out the entire playbook and you run your entire offense. I don't feel like BYU just had much confidence in the execution of what they're, they were doing. And it just didn't look great to the point where Kalani Satake in the post game, he felt like the team kind of acted like it was a loss. Really pleased with a bunch of guys that played tonight. And, uh, and uh, overall, just happy we got the win. I think we had too many long faces in the, in the locker room. Had to cheer them up a little bit. Long faces in the locker room. I, you know what? I think that it was valid for this offense to not feel great about the performance and and rightfully so. It, it just it wasn't a thing of beauty. But I do think they're going to get better. I don't think this is a an indictment of oh no, this is going to be 2017 levels bad. But Aaron Roderick, he's got to kind of find that next level because all the indications from practice in fall camp, BYU leveled up. They got better at every position. That was from Aaron Roderick. He even said at quarterback, it was a wash losing Jaron Hall, a fifth round draft pick for Keaton Slovis. It didn't look like that at all. And that's where BYU's got to get a lot better on the offensive end because when you've got 10 straight Power 5 teams coming up, there's, that's a lot. That's very concerning to not be explosive in week one against Sam Houston. Takeaway number two from BYU's 14 0 win over Sam Houston. If you want to be part of the show, hit up the phone line, 801 575 8255. If you get on the air, you'll qualify for tickets to the BYU-Cincinnati game coming up on Friday night, or next later, later this month on a Friday night before General Conference. Takeaway number two, L.J. Martin, the running back, freshman sensation, his future is here now. L.J. Martin was outstanding for BYU in his Cougar debut. He runs for 91 yards, 16 carries. Look, last week on the show, I, I, gotta, I know Matt's not here to defend himself, but I have to jab him a little bit because he was saying, how on earth is L.J. Martin already in the depth chart? Well, that's why, Cougar Nation, 16 carries, 91 yards. And the moment that he came into the game, BYU's offense had a little more pop. Now, the offensive line, guys like Kingsley Suamataia, Caleb Etienne, thought they were blocking a little bit better for L.J. Martin than they did earlier in the game. They're wearing down Sam Houston's defensive line that had – the meatball, who I got to give props to that guy. He was pretty good for Sam Houston. Meatball Smith was a heck of a player. But I thought L.J. Martin, he looks like a young kind of Jamal Williams. I'm not afraid to say it. I think this guy's got endless potential at BYU. And when they got him in the recruiting class this past December, it was a huge get for BYU coming from Stanford to BYU. L.J. Martin made a case to maybe be the starter going forward for BYU. I don't want to shelve Aiden Robbins already because I still believe in him. Robbins, six foot three, 240 pounds. I, I, I love Robbins' size and ability. It's a little bit of a thunder and lightning type of combination between those two. But Martin had just, he had an impressive showing to the point where you feel like you got to keep riding the hot hand. And if you truly want to make this about competition and you play the best 11, 
BYU's best 11 featured LJ Martin last Saturday night. And I, I don't know if you, I don't think you, you put him the starter right away, but man, it, it's right there where he might be the guy at game's end each and every week where he's getting more snaps potentially than Aiden Robbins. Takeaway number three. BYU defensive coordinator Jay Hill is as good as advertised. The BYU defense pitches their first shutout since 2014. That was against Savannah State. you got to go back to 2012, the last time BYU pitched the shutout against an FBS team. Now, Sam Houston's offense, they were bad. It was funny, almost amusing to me to think that they had a quarterback debate, allegedly, where it's neck and neck. Keegan Shoemaker was the guy that played for Sam Houston. Grant Gunnell was the backup. Keegan Shoemaker was not very good at all, and they didn't turn to the backup at all, which says to me that that backup wasn't really a threat to be the starter. But BYU caused havoc. 22.8% havoc rate, which means they're making TFL, sacks, interceptions, pass deflections. They were making plays. By comparison, last year, it was a 12% havoc rate for BYU. And I thought the tone setter at the beginning, the opening drive for BYU was critical. They get out on a three and out, and Sam Houston puts the ball on the turf, and Tyler Batty comes up with a big sack for BYU. I just thought that changed the whole mood, the belief, like, hey, this defense is different. Because you didn't see that very much last year. One, a third down stop, and two, an actual sack because BYU last year finished with 15 total for the entire season. But Jay Hill overnight has changed the fortunes of this team. I thought Ben Bywater and Max Tooley looked great, both of which had nine tackles apiece. I, I just think that Jay Hill, the preparation, too, that he had with this group was kind of off the charts. Jacob Robinson talked about it in the post game. He says the most prepared his Uh, He's been part of a BYU defensive scheme in his time at BYU. It's Jacob Robinson's third year in the program. They were so prepared and knew what was coming Sam Houston's way. And that was was interesting, too, because Sam Houston had a new offensive coordinator, yet they still knew and were dialed in to what the Bearcats were going to run. Testament to Jay Hill and how good of a coach he is. And, look, there's going to be games where BYU has to win a shootout. It's going to happen. But you now know and you have the confidence that this defense, if you're in a gridlock with your offense, you can still win a ball game, and that's a nice luxury to have. Last year, that wasn't a thing. You can actually win a game with 14 points and come away on the victory victory side of things, and that's something that just hasn't been the case for BYU football the past few years. I really like the aggressive nature of the defense. Jacob Robinson ends up with two interceptions. Eddie Heckard had one as well. He's playing a lot of that nickel spot for BYU all around a resounding success for BYU in their opening game on the defensive side offense a work in progress and I want to get your takeaways from this game I know the phone lines are backing up a little bit we got to get to a break though this show Cougar Nation presented by Bloom Barn Wealth fee only fiduciaries who help you live within your meaning Blue Barn Wealth.com taking a break and then I'll give out some helmet stickers take some of your phone calls Mitch Harper here on Cougar Nation. It's powered by KSL Sports. Cougar Nation. A 75-yard touchdown run down the far sideline. Every Monday at 6 on KSL News Radio. It's Cougar Nation brought to you by Blue Barn Wealth. I'm Mitch Harper, your BYU insider for KSL Sports. If you miss any part of this program, 
Subscribe to the Cougar Nation podcast on the KSL Sports app, wherever podcasts are found. Great part about this show, every single week as we take your phone calls and let Cougar Nation's voice be heard, we got to get out to the phone line now and welcome in BYU fan Jacob from Saratoga Springs who wants to talk about Keaton Slovis. Well, how'd you feel Keaton played, Jacob? Hey, thanks for letting me on. Yeah, so I think overall, um, I wouldn't say he was a terrible quarterback, but I mean, am I mistaken when the newspaper ad on this guy said experienced Power 5 quarterback? I'm not so sure I saw that. I mean, it was it was good sometimes, but it was pretty iffy others. I feel like most of the time, about 50-50 on those passes that I saw him throw, uh, it, it just didn't quite hit it for me. And I, I understand that overall, I mean, we're, we're talking about the offense holistically. We're talking about you know, we're talking about our receivers, we're talking about our O-line, we're talking about every aspect of it. I mean, there's this work to be done, but the overall, I, I don't know, I just, it left a kind of sour taste in my mouth, just like there's, there's just something quite, you know, there's something off about it. And if, there, and if there's anything that I know certainly helped the offense in years past is that we had a really strong, really confident, and, and really talented leader of a quarterback uh, backing up the team uh, over the last few years. And I think that can make all the difference in kind of rallying your offense together, making those plays, driving down the field, and getting those points. And, and unless we figure something out, I, I think it's going to be a long, painful, long, really long and painful season. Hey, Jacob, thanks for the call. I think that's a, it's a great take. And honestly, this BYU team is now faced with adversity, and I think you make a great point about Slovis and the experience because there's no grace period. You sh- he should have been coming out of the gates – off and running because it's not going to get easier against Arkansas. It's not going to be easier against TCU. Well, maybe a little bit. TCU's offense, our defense didn't look great against Colorado. But Oklahoma, Texas, I could go on and on. And if you can't put up numbers against Sam Houston, what's it going to look like against these other Power 5 teams going forward on the Big 12 schedule? Keep your phone calls coming, 801-575-8255. If you get on the air like Jacob did, You'll qualify for tickets to potentially win to the BYU-Cincinnati game coming up later this month. Right now, though, let's get to helmet stickers. Cougar Nation helmet stickers. Mitch and Matt dish out the stickers for BYU's best players this week. Each week, you know what? I have an affinity for helmet stickers. I love the old... In the 80s, the Ty Detmer sticker. You know, every his helmet was always loaded with stickers because... Ty was just passing for 5000 a year, right? And Jim McMahon had the stickers. I've always loved those. I like when Bronco brought them back for a brief moment early in his tenure. He had the gold ones for community service, the blue ones for athletic performance. I Look, hey, if you're listening, equipment manager Josh Hewitt, Kalani, bring back the helmet stickers. I, I, I'd be a big fan of that. I'm bringing them back here on Cougar Nation. Helmet sticker number one, Jacob Robinson. Former Orem High product, he said in the post game, it's like, look, players are going to throw at my side because look at me, I'm not anything special. But he had two huge interceptions, none bigger than the one in the third quarter where BYU's defense is put in a terrible situation because of that awful fake punt call. That was disastrous. That doesn't deserve, that gets a helmet sticker taken away, Kalani, the punt, fake punt call. But Jacob Robinson comes up with a huge INT and keeps the shutout alive. And then he also had a second one, which probably wasn't an INT. Big thanks to the Fox Sports cameras for not getting the actual view. It was amazing in the stadium. 
Casey Keeler, the head coach for Sam Houston, he's like, look at the scoreboard. Look at the scoreboard. It's 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 clearly hitting the ground, but the ref's like, I can't use that. That's not coming through the DV sport feed. I got to go with what I'm getting, and we don't see it. And so it, it, the call stands, and, and Jacob Robinson got two INTs on the night, but big night for Jacob Robinson. Helmet sticker number two, BYU running back LJ Martin. I talked about him in the opening segment. The guy deserves another shout-out because I just think what he did, his patience, his vision, the maturity that he has uh, already as an 18-year-old, it's impressive. And he had a huge uh, contingent of family that was in the stands. I saw them pregame. They were all wearing royal blue Martin 27 T-shirts. Very supportive, very kind family. He's just got a good head on his shoulders. And I think Cougar fans and Cougar Nation are going to love this guy, not only because he's a good football player, but I think you know he's he's a non-LDS kid, but yet he wanted to be at BYU. It wasn't some loaded NIL situation for LJ Martin to come here. He liked the academic side. He's a 4.2 GPA student. I mean, he's off the charts smart. LJ Martin was impressive in his debut. Helmet sticker number three, BYU punter and Big 12 co-special teams player of the week. Ryan Rico, look, I don't. I want this to be the last helmet sticker for Ryan Rico this season. In so every week, I'm in the Big Twelve Player of the Week voting panel. Now, it was my first week going through that selection process. I, I from the BYU media contingent, I'm I'm representing that, and I voted Rico because the guy was outstanding. He was an MVP for BYU. On Saturday night, without him flipping the field as many times as he did, does BYU's defense pitch the shutout? I, I don't know because Rico was clutch for BYU. Had a 53-yard average, nine punts. You want that number to go down quite a bit. I know Kalani Sataki wants that number down, but Ryan Rico, he's got an NFL leg, and he's someone that you know maybe after this year, seventh round, if you want to take a flyer on a punter that's got a booming leg. Ryan Rico might be your guy. He's six foot six. He's a pretty good athlete too. I remember when he arrived on campus, coaches thought he could be a linebacker. He was he's got pretty good speed. You didn't see it in that fourth and six fake punt call, but but he's a pretty good player. Final helmet sticker, number four, Tyler Batty. Big game for him. Five tackles, one and a half of those for loss. And then he had the big sack on the opening possession. It was kind of surprising that that was the only sack of the of the game. It felt like BYU had a few more, but only one sack on the game, and Tyler Batty was credited with that one. And, and that was a tone setter because I felt like BYU needed that moment to just kind of get that peace of mind like, hey, this defense is going to work. We're going to be okay. And Tyler Batty comes up with a big play. He, he, look, every week you can listen to him on Cougar Tracks, the podcast. Uh, you, you hear the KS, KSL News Radio Cougar Tracks updates here on the station. Go check out the podcast every Wednesday. Batty goes in-depth with the player perspective, and and he was so excited to to debut this new defense, and rightfully so. I think he looks like a new and improved man. He's trimmed down a little bit, about 11 pounds down, looks more athletic, a little bit quicker off the edge. Tyler Batty due for a big season this year for BYU, and he's off to a good start with one sack already under his belt. We're taking a break. News, traffic, and weather coming up next, and then I'll get to what's trending up. And what's trending down with this BYU football team after week one? It's Cougar Nation, and it's powered by kslsports.com. A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. 
But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. The following is a presentation of KSL Sports. Hello, Cougar Nation. Handoff middle. First down. Touchdown! And listen to the Cougar Nation. Every Monday night, we break down the Cougars' last game and look ahead to next week. Cougar Nation, brought to you by Blue Barn Wealth. Here's BYU insider Mitch Harper and Matt Biamonte on Utah's legacy home of the Cougars, KSL News Radio. Matt Biamonte will be back next week on the show. So I'm rolling solo this week. I'm Mitch Harper, your BYU insider for KSL Sports. Matt's enjoying a. A nice Walt Disney World trip with the family before week two action between BYU and Southern Utah this Saturday. One o'clock kick, 9 a.m. extended pregame gets started with myself and Matt. We'll get you ready for the Cougars and the T-Birds. Only the second all-time meeting between these two in-state schools. It feels kind of weird saying that between BYU and Southern Utah, but... You know, hey, they're still in the state, and uh, it's an opportunity for BYU to try and get better. Just a quick news item. The AP Top 25 just dropped, and the highest-ranked team in the Big 12 Conference is still the Texas Longhorns, number 11 uh, in the rankings. Oklahoma checks in at number 18. Colorado surges into 22. They're going to be in the Big 12 next year. Utah moves up to number 12. That's your Big 12 teams in there, and one of the we got a caller from Big 12 Country on the phone line right now to talk uh, here on, on Cougar Nation. It's Michael from Texas, the heart of Big 12 Country. And, Michael, you feel like BYU's underrated in the Big 12 this year? I wouldn't say that. Uh, I really just wanted to th- – thanks for taking the call. I really just wanted to talk a little bit about last game. I felt like it was obvious the offense came in a little unprepared and there was some – perplexing first down passes over and over in the first half. But I was really more concerned that we just don't respect teams as a fan base. I mean, Hmm. three years ago, we struggled against UTSA. We lost to UAB as a 10-win team. And then we struggled with Sam Houston, all from Conference USA, but all looked like solid teams when we played them. And I think sometimes, you know, from a school that was left out of the power structure for so long, you think we understand that a win is a win, that there's good teams and bad teams, and then even on the team itself, like you have to respect everyone. It's it's not uh, no one has monopoly on good teams. So thanks for taking my call. Hey, Michael, thanks for that. I, you know what? That's a that's an interesting point because you think back to that UTSA game that you referenced in 2020. BYU was favored by 35 points. They won 27 to 20. Since that game, UTSA is 26 and five. They've been outstanding. And I remember Elisa Tuiaki told me, he said, you put UTSA, swap out their helmet logo for UCLA, you wouldn't know the difference. So I think it's a good point. I mean, look, you just I think it's just the optics of team transitioning from FCS, the lower tier, game one in FBS. You feel like you'd be you'd have a little more pop, but hey, you know, Sam Houston, they've got a national championship background at the FCS level, and that head coach, Casey Keeler, Kalani said. One of the best head coaches in all of college football, and so it's an it's an interesting viewpoint because. But 
one thing, though, BYU, they've had far too often too many close calls against the UABs, the Northern Illinois where they lost. they they got to get that fixed. That used to be kind of the go-to for Broncos tenure was maybe they wouldn't win the big games, but those opponents, Sam Houston's, UAB's, Northern Illinois, they're going to win those automatically. And that can be, and like, look, you're having this learning opportunity with a win as BYU is 1-0. Let's get to trending up and trending down. Cougar Nation, trending. What's trending up and what's trending down this football season? Every week here on Cougar Nation, we'll give you a summary of what's trending up and trending down with the BYU football team and also in college football and the Big 12. First thing in trending up, BYU fans. Attendance at Lavelle Edwards Stadium I thought was a little bit lower than expected from my vantage point with it being the first Big 12 game. 59,006 fans in attendance, but still. You made your voices heard, Cougar Nation. Jay Hill was saying how deafening loud it was for him to call plays on the sideline. Even Casey Keeler, the Sam Houston coach, said it was a louder crowd than Kyle Field last year at Texas A&M. So well done, Cougar fans. You continue to level up game day experiences at LES. I remember back in the day when it was a bowl full of Skittles and no one was wearing blue, yet BYU was slinging around the yard everywhere, but still, not everyone was uniformed wearing blue that the striping on the stadium I thought looked pretty dang good. On short notice, Cougar Nation showed up in a big way at Lavelle Edwards Stadium and pretty solid turnout. Let's see if if Cougar Nation sells it out this weekend for Southern Utah. There's still some tickets available from what I last checked on BYU's ticket website, but uh, good showing nonetheless from Cougar fans. The BYU cornerbacks, I feel like, are trending up for BYU football. This has always been a position of fear and concern for Cougar Nation. You think about, oh, is there enough depth? Is there enough personnel? I think you've got great talent at the top. Eddie Heckard leads the way at the nickel spot. Jacob Robinson had two interceptions. We talked a lot about him. But then Camden Garrett. Camden Garrett comes in from Weber State, and he was a had a great showing, I thought, after that game against Sam Houston, BYU's got a legit three trio at the cornerback position, and that works well for BYU. This was Jacob Robinson as far as the defense being prepared for Sam Houston. I think this is the most prepared we've ever been um, formations-wise, and we just knew it was coming to call it out before it happened. Yeah, no, the preparation level was off the charts. I mean, I, I and two, right, He, our coaches were telling us, like, these guys are going to come in and play hard, so... You know, I'm not as surprised by the score as I think a lot of people are. That was assistance from uh, Ben Bywater, linebacker there as well. But yeah, BYU's cornerbacks trending up. And I think they got some interesting options in the second unit too. Maury Bamba as well, Evan Johnson, some speedsters. But the top three, if they stay healthy, you're going to be in a good spot. BYU only played pretty much 14 guys, got more than 20 snaps in the game. Jay Hill didn't rotate much. The, the rotations took place on the defensive line. Then the the second and third unit guys came in in the later parts of the game when it was in the bag. Uh, trending up, Darius Laster. I thought he had a solid game as well for BYU. The Eastern Michigan transfer comes in and I thought performed well. Cody Epps was out due to a hamstring. Keanu Hill out, even though coaches told me it's precautionary with Keanu Hill. He did go through warm-ups, but ultimately they kept him out. Darius Laster stepped in. 
and I thought had a pretty good showing by all accounts. I mean, I think he's more of a possession receiver, four catches, 43 yards, but the targets were a pretty high number as well for him, six targets from Keaton Slovis. If Epps is out this week and Hill's out this week, which if I'm Kalani Sataki, I keep those guys out one more week with it being SUU. Uh, Darius Laster is going to be turned to be a guy that BYU looks upon more often than not going forward. What's trending down, though? That's it's, it's always a touchy subject to say what's trending down for BYU. But i got to start with the offensive line. I thought the offensive line struggled mightily in that game. And that was dis- discouraging. And it was something we talked about on this show a week ago. I said, the offensive line, they get a lot of hype every year. Live up to it. They didn't after week one. I thought they got better as the course of the game went on, but I thought early on in that first half, they did not perform well. Kingsley Suamatia had two penalties. Can't have that. If you're a first-round pick, Kingsley, you cannot have those mistakes. It's always great, too, at practice, by the way, to watch the NFL scouts just zero in on Daryl Funk after it's over to get all this intel on Kingsley. Look, the the buzz about him with NFL scouts and personnel, it's legit. He's going to be a first-round talent, but... You don't want to have those costly mistakes because that hurts teams. You, you cannot do that. So Kingsley's got to get better in that area. Uh, Paul Miley got to get better, too, at the center spot. At, at, there were times where he kind of, for lack of a better term, got handled by meatball. The, he was eating too many meatballs uh, against Sam Houston's D-line. Same with Caleb Etienne, too. Got to get better. Got to protect and create more holes for this ground attack to have more success. And for the next person who is a little bit trending down as well, Keaton Slovis. As you heard from some of the calls coming in today, 801-575-8255, hit up the phone lines. Keaton Slovis struggled. Uh, he did not perform to the level that we heard coaches talking about him in practice. And look, I saw it in, in my own two eyes, too, in fall camp. I thought he looked great. He was 20 of 33 on Saturday night for 145 yards. Not the same type of QB and performance I saw in fall camp. I'll tell you that much. 61% completion rate. The good news is, though, he did not have any interceptions, which that was always a kind of a bugaboo for him at his previous stops at USC and Pitt, the, the costly mistakes. Last year, he had nine INTs, only 10 touchdowns. To, on Saturday, he had no INTs. You take care of the football, BYU's going to be in a spot to be competitive and try to win some games, but I think there's got to be some more shots downfield for Slovis and and have more command within that offense. Last thing before we get to a break, the Big 12 being the deepest conference, that took a hit on Saturday. Look, I was very vocal. I felt like this might be the deepest league in America. Uh, That's on shaky ground now because Texas Tech loses to Wyoming. Not a good loss for the league. Baylor Loses to Texas State. I thought Baylor was going to be a Big 12 title contender. That that take took a, a massive hit over the weekend. So Big 12 on shaky ground, just a touch. And if you want to get more Big 12 breakdown, go listen to First and 12 every Sunday. Myself and Alex Keery on the KSL Sports Zone and here on KSL News Radio, talking all things Big 12 here on KSL Sports. Blue Barn Wealth, fee only fiduciaries who help you live within your meaning. Blue Barn Wealth. Taking our final time out, we'll get to more of your phone calls, 801-575-8255. We'll also get an update on preview of Southern Utah for Week 2 action for BYU. It's Cougar Nation here on KSL News Radio and KSLSports.com. Cougar Nation. Touchdown. Cougars take the lead. Every Monday at 6 on KSL News Radio. 
That's right. Cougar Nation every Monday night, 6 to 7 p.m. Today we're on the noon hour, of course, because Labor Day holiday yesterday. And we got a noon special today. But next Monday, if you want to tune in to Cougar Nation, we'll be on the air 6 to 7, myself and Matt Biamonte, holding it down here on KSL News Radio and KSL Sports. Dot com. These hours just fly by talking BYU football, especially after a game. It's just we had so much buildup for the season. Now it's here and almost to midweek and getting ready for week number two as the Cougars will take on Southern Utah this Saturday in Provo. One o'clock kick. Extended pregame begins at 9 a.m. here on KSL News Radio. And always the great thing about Cougar Nation is that we get out to the phone lines and let your voice be heard. We welcome in Mike from Twin Falls, Idaho. Mike, what's on your mind? Hey, Mitch. Uh, my question for you is, obviously, we had a mixed bag on Saturday night. We're really excited about the defense and the shutout, and the offense was really hard to watch for three hours. And so my question to you is, which one of those is more real, considering it came against Sam Houston? Is the defense really that much better than last year? Is the offense really that bad? As you look at it and consider the circumstances, uh, which one of those is more real as, as we go through the season? Hey, thanks for the call, Mike. I think the more real factor is the defense. I, I do believe because the coaching staff, the the brain trust that that executes that defense, Jay Hill, Sione Buha, Kelly Papinga, Justin Enna, General Guilford, they've all been coaching at a high level, and they were so prepared. I mean – Sam Houston, again, had a a new offensive coordinator, and they knew what was coming. I think that what's going to happen, too, for BYU's personnel, I think Jay Hill, if you gave him some truth serum, would say, we're probably not quite where I want to be as far as personnel in the two, maybe to three deep. They've got some recruits coming in the future. They're going into Georgia, going into Texas. They're going to build up the numbers more with some high school recruits. This year, it was a quick fix, put this tape on, go get the transfer portal and fix everything. And you saw guys like A.J. Vongfachan from Utah State who played with so much violence. I thought he had a great debut for BYU. But I buy into this defense. I feel like they are legit. And I feel like the one area of concern I still have with the defense is at the safety spot. Ethan Slade didn't get tested much. Malik Moore didn't get tested because there was no real threat from Sam Houston in the passing game going downfield. That, that, it wasn't a threat. And there's going to be real threats in the Big 12. You look at Kansas, even with their backup quarterback, that star Jalen Daniels was, was out last week. Jason Bean steps in, and they still put up more than 40 points against an FCS team. So there, there's going to be some firepower in the Big 12, as we always expect. But I, I buy in to Jay Hill in, in the defense, and I feel like BYU's offense – the scheme with Aaron Roddick, when he when he gets in his comfort zone and he's calling plays and he's pushing things downfield, it's a great sight to see. And I feel like I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt because when you've had two NFL draft picks at quarterback, I'm willing to be a little more patient. But defense, I am buying in. And Mike, again, appreciate the call. Keep the phone calls coming, 801-575-8255. If you get on the air, you'll qualify to win potentially tickets to the BYU-Cincinnati game, which is on conference weekend on that Friday night, September 29th. First Big 12 home game coming up later this month. First, of course, you got to take care of business against Southern Utah. BYU is going to roll out a new uniform combination. Go check it out on kslsports.com. New navy blue helmet with sprinkles of royal blue thrown into the mix. I personally like the navy blue helmet. 
I think it's a good look. I was kind of saddened to see that it went away last year because I think it's a good look. The only negative thing, though, about the Navy blue helmet, BYU was 1-3 the last time they wore it in 2021. They lost to UAB, they lost to Boise State, and they lost to Baylor that season with the Navy blue lids. And then, of course, the Gary Croton years, that's a whole mess in and of itself when they were wearing Navy blue lids every single game. Big question this week, too, is going to be the status of Cody Epps and Keanu Hill. The, I would So Ke, Cody Epps was, was plagued with a hamstring injury during fall camp. He went through camp about the first week, and then week two on, he was in and out of practice. And some go through warm-ups. Warm I was stunned, honestly, to see him in the pregame warm-ups. I thought it was just going to be a complete scratch altogether with Epps. But the fact that he's... Going through warmups, getting close. To me, it says get him ready for Arkansas. I still think you can get by with Southern Utah. Southern Utah is a better than uh, you know. They're not the greatest team, but I think they're they give you a little bit of a threat. Still, they've got a quarterback in Justin Miller, older guy after serving a mission. I, I just wanted to say that first time I've ever ever analyzed an opponent said older guy served a mission. Usually, it's on the on the opposite end when analyzing BYU. He had some big plays through the air against ASU, had a 68-yard pass that was negated by a penalty, but then also connected on a 52-yard pass in their close call against Arizona State. Southern Utah barely lost 24-21 to against Arizona State. They've got seven starters back on offense from a 5-6 and six team. It's not quite the Ed Lamb SUU teams, but still, they're going to come in motivated. And I think the fact that they were competitive against ASU, they're going to say, why not be competitive against BYU? So, at a minimum, I want to see BYU put up at least 40 points in this game. I think that's fair to expect. If you want to have a true bounce back from what that performance was against Sam Houston, put up more than 40 points and execute at a high level. Do not have the administrative penalties on the offensive line, the false starts, the holding, the personal fouls. No fake punt calls with lack of communication. Don't burn a timeout coming out of the halftime locker room. Clean that stuff up. Take care of business. And then you get ready for Arkansas and then the Big 12 slate. I think BYU has a nice bounce back this week. We'll break it all down, of course, this Saturday. Extended pregame, BYU, Southern Utah, 9 a.m. here on KSL News Radio. And then we'll have full coverage, too. Uh, the broadcast can be heard 1 o'clock kick here on KSL News Radio. I'll talk to you. On Saturday, and then, of course, every day here on Cougar Tracks, morning and afternoon drive, here on your legacy home of the Cougars, KSL News Radio and kslsports.com.